many of you have ever said to yourself, if I had only known? Uh, come on. How many of you have ever said, uh, if, if I had only known? Right? Yesterday I'm on a long bike ride, and um, it was about a 20-mile ride, and I'm coming back, and all of a sudden I have this very familiar feeling of a tire going flat. And it was the back tire, which is the worst one, because then you've got to deal with all the gears and all of that. So I, so I looked, and I thought, well, it's not totally flat. It's going out real slow. So I'm going to try to make it back to no avail. I finally decided I better hop off the bike. And I had this little gizmo uh, that was supposed to maybe uh, inflate it a little bit. And instead of inflating it, it let the rest of the air out. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those days. So I, I, I started walking it. And as I'm walking it, you know, I've already ridden eh, 13 miles. So I'm not feeling like walking the bike. And as I'm walking it, way down the road, I see a bike shop. And here's what I said to myself, if I had only known, I wouldn't have hopped off when I did. I would have gone further all the way to it, but I jumped off. Now, I'm going to talk to you about if I had only known this on a much higher level. As a matter of fact, I'm calling this today, if you only knew. If you only knew, I want to start at John 4, verse 1. Let me read through this very familiar story uh, quickly, but I want us to take in the context. Jesus had to go through Samaria on the way to Galilee. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Notice Jesus, being God, got tired right? Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, hey, please give me a drink. And he was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Verse 9, the woman was surprised because Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? You're not even supposed to be talking to me. Jesus replied, here it is, if you only knew. Got it? Listen to what he said. This is so powerful. If you only knew the gift God has for you, how many people the judgment are going to say, if I'd only known? Now watch this. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you'd ask me and I would give you living water, life-giving water. She replied, but sir, you don't even have a rope or a bucket. And this well is really deep, so where in the world would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? Where are you getting off with this? I'm going to give you living water. How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anybody who drinks this water is going to get thirsty again. But those who drink the water I will give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them what kind of life? Eternal life. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing on the word. Open our hearts to it in Jesus' name and touch somebody today 
with the life of Christ. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, if only you knew. Amen. I've been preaching a long time. Can I tell you, the Word never gets old. I see things in the Word of God, you know, just reading my devotional every week that for some reason I haven't seen in all these years. The Word of God never gets old. Amen? It never gets stale. It never becomes passe. Uh, It never becomes antiquated. Never. It's always fresh. Now, here's Jesus. Now, last week I talked about, remember, bitter water being made sweet. And the picture was the bitter water being made sweet by a picture of the cross. That through the cross, the bitter things in our life are sweetened. Amen? Jesus makes bitter sweet. Now, this time I want to talk to you about the living waters. There's all kinds of water in the world, if you stop and think about it. I listed a few. City water, distilled water, spring water, well water, Purified water, mineral water, sparkling water, hard water, soft water, filtered water, snow water, rain water, salt water. There's all kinds of water. And you've noted, you know this, there's all kinds of companies that offer uh, the, the, the cleanest, healthiest water out there. You recognize some of these, Aquafina, Dasani, Fiji, Evian, Smart Water, Polar, other bottled waters, when you go through the grocery store, you see them all lining the shelves, and every one of them are claiming to be the best water. But you know what I've never seen there? I've never seen one called living water. I, I thought that'd be a great marketing idea, just do a living water. Living water. Living water. But Jesus talked about a different kind of water that is literally life-giving. It gives life. I'm giving you living Water. I have it my, in my possession, and I can give it to you, living water. Water that literally gives life. Not physical life, spiritual life. It will make you live. It will make you alive. I have living water. Now, he also said, if you knew who you were talking to, and you asked me for it, The way I give you the living water is I create a well in, of all places, your soul. I put a well in your soul. And speaking of wells, there's only two kinds. There is a reservoir kind of well that you have to refill if you've got one because it'll go empty on you. But there's also a a, a well that is spring-fed, spring-fed. And spring-fed wells, you don't ever have to refill because they refill themselves. The reservoir kind of well has to be refilled by rain or something like that. But a spring-fed well, you don't have to fill. It fills itself because it's, it's fed from another source, from, uh, as it were, an eternal source. It keeps on refilling on its own. And that's the kind Jesus said, I'm going to put that kind of a well in you. I'm going to put a well in you that is not spring-fed, but is heaven-fed. Is anybody hearing me today? Oh, this is good news. He said, I'm going to put a well in you. When you you ask me for it, and you uh, realize the gift that I can give you, and the gift is salvation, then as soon as you're saved, there is a well that is put in you. 
dug in you, placed in you by God. And that well is not spring-fed, it's heaven-fed. It has an eternal source. It will never run dry. The well he speaks of is the well of salvation. the, The well of salvation. And the living waters are the Holy Spirit of the living God. Amen. Amen. Now, now he's talking to this woman at the well, and we're going to talk about her in a minute, but catch this now. He says to her, if you only knew who you were talking to, and if you only realized the gift that God has for you, and he's talking about the gift of salvation, you would ask me for it. Because the gift is salvation, and the living water is the Holy Spirit, and the giver is the one you're talking to. Amen. Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you, you would have asked him, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So first, I want us to notice something here. Her receiving this living water swung on the hinge of one crucial truth, and that is this. If you knew, everybody say knew. All right, to get the living water, Jesus said, you got to know something. So he says, if you knew the gift of God and who you were talking to, if you knew, if you knew that this was a divine encounter, if you knew that this was your moment to turn, if you knew how important, dear lady, this woman or this moment was in your life, you would take advantage of it, and you would ask me. And if you asked me, I would give you a gift, and the gift is salvation. And when you are saved, you receive a well in your soul. And out of that well is going to spring living waters, the Holy Ghost springing up into everlasting life. So the first thing that this woman needed to realize was, that she needed to know, she needed to know, understand the gift. Now, the word knew here, if you knew the gift of God, that word for know means perceived or discerned or realize or pick up on, get a grip on. If you perceive who it was you were talking to, if you knew who was talking to you and what I could give to you, if you just picked up on it, if you perceived it, if you understood it, you would immediately jump and take advantage of it. You know how often Jesus is misunderstood in our culture. Uh, so many people have a wrong understanding of Jesus. So many people don't know who's knocking on the door of their heart. You know, it's a dangerous thing. It's a sad thing when, when, when you're having a moment with Jesus, when he's knocking on the door of your heart, and he's saying to you, if you only knew, if you only knew, if you only realize what I could give you and who it is you're talking to, you would immediately spring into action and ask me for it. If you knew, dear lady, perceived, discerned, picked up on the gift of God and who it is talking to you. If you knew the what and you knew the who. The what is the gift of salvation and the living waters that Jesus gives you. And the who is Jesus himself. If you knew the what and the who. I I wish that I could go on ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, MS, LSD. I mean MSNBC. 
If I could go on all of those networks, you know what I would say? I would immediately want to say, if you only knew who was knocking on the door of your heart, if you perceive that he's not just some teacher uh, from from the first century, he's not just uh, some nice man walking around saying neat things, he's not right there in line with Buddha and Muhammad and other religious leaders. No, 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 no. If you only knew, if you only knew that he is God wrapped in flesh. If you only knew what he could give you, if you only knew, you don't have to live in bondage, you don't have to live in fear, you don't have to live in doubt, you don't have to be constantly searching for this, that, and the other. If you only knew that he is your fulfillment, he is your life, he is your healer, he is your deliverer, he is your wisdom, he is your knowledge, he is your shepherd. If you only knew... The sense in this verse is this. <laughs> I hear this in Jesus. If you only knew. Not, you know, it'd be cool if you knew. Not that. No, he's saying to her, this is his heart talking. Do you hear it with me? Hear it with me. If you only knew. If you just knew the what and the who. If you just knew. I wish I could say that to our whole culture. If you only knew. If you only knew. If it would only dawn on you who I am and what this moment with me could do for you and how it could radically change your life. You know, I think back to my own life and how my whole life was turned on one choice, one decision. I've thought about it. Uh, It was amazing, the, the power of one decision. Just one decision. I'm sitting in that juvenile home I've got a felony on me. My future looks bleak. There's nothing more my parents can do. The bond is too high for my dad to get me out. I was stuck, but it was God. And I heard the gospel for the first time in my entire life. I'd never heard it before, and I heard the gospel. And and somehow, by the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, it occurred to me. I began to perceive the what and the who. That the who was offering me the what. That the who, Jesus Christ, was offering me what? Salvation, deliverance, healing, freedom, an answer, peace. And, 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 And that night, just on one decision, one five minute decision, changed the trajectory of my whole life. My whole life. You know, I've I've got friends out there that that didn't turn. I went and talked to them, and they never came to Christ. Some of them are are gone now because of drugs and alcohol. Others are in no man's land, wastes of human beings. And, And I look at how they made a decision to go the other direction. Folks, let me tell you something. Some decisions totally change your life. And there is no greater one than when you come to Christ and say, Lord, forgive me and come into my heart. I recognize the who and I know the what that you give me. The what that you give me is salvation. And out of my innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And I won't want drugs anymore. I won't want alcohol anymore. I won't want other things anymore. But, but, but what you give me and, and my whole life The only reason I'm standing up here right now is one decision I made at 16 years old. If you only knew 
the what and the who, you would ask me for it. You would jump at the chance to take advantage of it. You would leap. You would not hesitate. If you only knew, lady. If you only knew. If you were only aware that this is a divine encounter, that I came through Samaria with you in mind. Let's consider this woman for a moment. Because this woman is a snapshot of all of us in one way or another. She's a Samaritan, which means the Jews had nothing to do with her. It was a racial barrier that had existed for centuries. So she was very accustomed to racial discrimination. She knew racial discrimination in a big way. Secondly, we know from Jesus' encounter with her that she had been married five times and was currently living with a man not her husband. And Jesus calls her out on it. And that's how we know she'd had five husbands because Jesus knew all about her without ever having talked to her before. He read her mail. He knew all about her. He knew her history without her having to tell him. He knows about you and me. Every thought we think, every direction we go, every decision we make, he knows it. He knew all about her. The heartbreaks, the letdowns, the bad choices. He knew all about it. Five times this woman had heard the man in her life say, I'm done with you. Hit the door. In those days, women didn't divorce the man. The man divorced the woman, and it was called putting her away. And with each marital failure, five, with each marital failure, her sense of self-worth sank to a new low. Every time, five times, she said, this one will work, this one loves me, this one will stay true, this one's real, this one will fulfill me, this one will make me happy. Five times, five times at the altar. Five I do's. Every time with hope. Hope springs eternal every time with hope that this one is the one that would work, but they didn't. Finally, she gave up on marriage. There's no doubt about it. She gave up on marriage. And that's why she's opted to live in open sin with the sixth guy. Because Jesus said, you've been married five times and the one you're shacked up with right now is not your husband. Jesus will get real with you. Jesus will mess with your stuff. Amen? Amen. See, we tell God things sometimes as if he didn't know. Lord, I'm telling you, yeah, I had this temptation, Lord. Do you think God ever sits in heaven and says, Shazam? Wow. Did you know that, Jesus? I didn't know that. No, he knows everything. He knows everything. And Jesus has intentionally gone out of his way. He didn't have to go through Samaria to reach the destination he was headed for. He intentionally went into Samaria to sit at this well, I'm telling you, knowing this woman was coming. He left everything for one soul. He got, went out of his way. He, he, uh, he, he bothered himself, troubled himself, inconvenienced himself for one soul. The Bible already told us he was tired. He was thirsty. He was all God, all man, all man, all God. So as a man, he he experienced everything we do, yet without sin. So here she is, five failures. One now, she doesn't dare to marry, because that one will fail too. 
And then there was the town gossip, this woman that Jesus chose to meet with, the town gossip. In those days, folks, the lines of morality, of right and wrong, were very clearly drawn. If a woman became pregnant out of wedlock, she was socially ostracized. A woman who was divorced was literally put into the street with few survival options. She was put in the street. There there was no equal rights back then for women, no. Jesus raised the value of women more than anybody in history. Every feminist ought to love Jesus because Jesus honored women. And for a woman in a tight-knit town like this little village of Samaria to live in open fornication with a man was a glaring scandal. It wasn't blinked at. It became the talk of the town. You ever been subject to the talk of the town? You ever been chewed up and spit out by the talk of the town? It's terrible. The unnamed woman here, the woman at the well, that's the only way we know her, was very acquainted with scowls and looks of scorn and judgment and condescension and being excluded and reviled and cast out of social gatherings. She didn't go to the bingo game in town. She didn't go to anything social. She didn't go to the synagogue. No way. No doubt this is why she went to draw water, the Bible says, at high noon. But see, everybody else went early in the morning. Why'd she go at high noon? I don't want to run into anybody. I don't want to run into the people who are going to look at me bad. <laughs> Have you ever had a fallen out with somebody, and then the day came you needed to go to, to uh, Albertsons or Kroger, and you literally prayed, Lord, don't let them be in there. I don't want to run into them going up and down the aisle. Oh, how you doing? Good to see you. And you're lying. It seems that now this beaten down woman has gotten to the place where she just doesn't care anymore. I don't care what they say. I don't care what it looks like. I'm done fighting. I'm done struggling. I'm done worrying about it. I'm just going to do what I want to do, live the way that I want to live, forget what the gossips say. I know I'm a wreck. I know I'm a train wreck. I know I'm a mess. Oh, well. It's at this juncture in her sad and broken life that she unexpectedly encounters an intriguing young Jewish man at the well who offers her this mysterious living water. And he's even talking to her without judging her. And he attached all kinds of promises to this living water. He said, for instance, let me tell you something I know your whole history. Let me tell you something about this water, because I know your history. So this is going to talk to you. He said, he said, woman, you drink of this water, you're not ever going to thirst again. And that had meaning to her, because this woman had experienced so much dissatisfaction, so much disappointment and disillusionment, going from one relationship to the next, to the next, to the next, hoping that this would be it and she would be happy finally. And so many times just let down, let down, let down, hope deferred. This time, this man is telling her, you drink of this water and you're going to be fulfilled and you're going to be satisfied and you won't need to search anymore for any other answer. Whoa. 
Jesus was an excellent salesman. He knew how to bait the hook. Right? You're not going to have to search for happiness anywhere, my dear. Men included. Because no man's going to make you happy. If you're a man, no woman's going to make you happy. And if you're dating somebody uh, with the belief that, oh, this, this person can make me happy, you're putting on them a burden they cannot satisfy because no human being can make you happy. The only thing that can make you happy is the living water that Jesus is offering this woman. That's it. You've got to have the living water. You've got to have the living water. You've got to have the living water. And not only that, but he told her, not only are you going to be satisfied here and now, but what I'm giving you is going to last forever. But the water I give them becomes a perpetual spring within them, a perpetual, never-ending, eternal spring within them, watering them forever with eternal life. Watering them for how long? Forever. With what? With eternal life. In other words, we say, well, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. And um, when I die, then then I'm I'm really going to meet God and and, um, my salvation is going to be complete and so on and so forth. Let me tell you something. You're already in heaven in this way. You are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All that we're waiting on is time to pass where we can be translated from here to there. But in the meantime, we're already seated in heavenly places in Christ. And we've already received a foretaste of what is coming. It's a beautiful, powerful picture. The living water that Jesus promised to give her would bubble, gush, leap, or spring up like a fountain. That's the Greek word, to to bubble, to gush, to leap, to spring up like a fountain. Not like a stagnant pool, not like a well that grows empty, but an everlasting fountain that flows at all seasons of the year in heat and cold, every kind of weather, good times and bad. The spring within you is going to flow, bubble, gush, leap up into life eternal. Thank God. Now it is this very fountain of water. Follow me now, because now I'm going to bring it home to us here today. It's this very fountain of water, this living water he promised this woman that was poured out on the church on the day of Pentecost. Before ascending back into heaven, Jesus said, he commanded his disciples not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. For John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. There he's promising the same thing he told this woman. If you knew the what and you knew the who, you would receive the what. And that is salvation and with it, the gift of the living water, the Holy Spirit of the living God. And Acts 2 records the fulfillment of Jesus' words, and I can't read what happened enough in Acts chapter 2, because suddenly, as they waited together, 120 strong, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. Have you ever heard a mighty windstorm? We hear them all the time here in Texas when it is just wailing and howling. And that's what it sounded like. It didn't come quietly, but the gift of the living waters came like the sound of a mighty windstorm. In other words, it had power. And it filled the house where they were sitting. It filled the house. May the Lord fill this house with this. It filled the house. 
It filled the whole house. And it says, it filled the house where they were sitting then. What looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on every one of them, over every one of their heads. It looked like a tongue of fire. And everyone present was filled with the living waters, the Holy Spirit. The well was dug, and they all received the Holy Spirit of the living God. And began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now from this pivotal point forward, everybody, the living waters illustrating the Holy Spirit transformed the early disciples of Jesus Christ from cowards to lions. Time and again, we witness the gushing, flowing power of the Spirit of God at work in their lives under persecution. The Spirit of God flowed. It says in Acts 4, verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered, they prayed after being persecuted, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God, not out of fear, not out of timidity, but with boldness. The Spirit of God, the living waters, was the source of their joy. Listen to this, Acts 13, 52, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God gave them victory over the flesh. Galatians 5, 16, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The flowing river of the Spirit of God gave understanding in spiritual things. But the Helper, said Jesus, the Holy Spirit, He will teach you all things. I could go on, but suffice it to say that the church without the Holy Spirit is in trouble. But with the Holy Spirit... There is power, there is victory, there is boldness, there is fearlessness, there is anointing, there is joy, there is breakthrough, there is amen. The church without the Holy Spirit is like a cloud without rain. It can't refresh. The church without the Holy Spirit is like a car without gasoline. It can't run. The church without the Holy Spirit is like a guitar without strings. It can't play. The church without the Holy Spirit is like a bird without wings. It can't fly. That's why Jesus said, don't go minister yet. Don't go out into the world with the gospel yet. You wait until you have been endued with power from on high because I'm about to clothe you with power from on high. And once you have received the power from on high, you are going to be a force to be reckoned with. Rome won't be able to stand against you. Paganism won't be able to stand against you. Idolatry will not have victory over you. The temptations of this world will not hold you. I am going to lift you up by the power of my spirit and you're going to rock and roll the Roman world until they are completely completely changed. And here's the really good news. Jesus said to this lonely, defeated woman, he said, listen, if you only knew the gift of God or the gift that God has for you, that's the translation. If you only knew the gift God has for you, the gift God has for you If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you were talking to, you'd ask me right now, now listen to this promise, you would ask me and I would give it to you. Guaranteed. 
You just got to ask. That's it. Ask. You have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. And we know what happened to her. When he read her mail, told her about her past, invited her to receive this gift, she did it. And this woman lost her shame. She lost her guilt. She no longer stared at the ground when she was talking to you. She'd look you right in the eye. And so she ran into the town and she preached, come see a man who's told me everything I ever did. Is this not the Messiah? And this beat down, defeated, shamed woman became the first New Testament evangelist. Yeah. And I guarantee you, I, I don't know for sure, but I wouldn't be surprised if she wasn't among the 120 in the upper room when the Spirit of God fell. I wouldn't be surprised. But even so, one day she received those living waters. She received the touch of God, the salvation of God, then and there. She was a brand new woman. She was changed. Night to day, dark to light, wrong to right. She was changed. Amen. Now I want to ask you today, I'm sharing this because, folks, there is within you and me a well, and it is to spring up into everlasting life. It's always to be bubbling, churning, leaping, empowering you, giving you joy, giving you peace, giving you victory, anointing you as you share about Jesus Christ. It's there, and it's the gift. And there's a well in you. I want you to say with me, there's a well in me. Amen? And the Holy Spirit, the living water is in you right now. And I want us to stand. And I want to ask you a question as we stand. Looking at this woman who was really a down and outer. I mean, she was a wreck. And look what Jesus did with her. Let me ask you, do you need the well of salvation in your life today? Do you know the what and the who? The who is the who who gives you the what. Jesus is the who that gives you the salvation and gives you the flowing waters. Um, I can tell you in my own life, when the Spirit of God came upon me, I cannot tell you the condition I was in. Full of fear, confusion, no future, no hope in the natural discarded by just about everybody that had tried to help me. People gave up. We tried. But when that Spirit of God came upon me, because of the who who gives it, when I turned to the who, I got the what. And when I got the what, I fell in love with the who. (laughs) Amen? Yeah. And... The Spirit of God, my encounter with Jesus and what he gave me after that encounter, loosed my tongue and I began to preach and to teach and to witness and my whole life was revolutionized when I came to the who and I got the what. Now what I want to know today is, do you need the who? Do you need Jesus? Or do you need a fresh touch of the what? The Holy Spirit of God. I believe we need a fresh touch today. How many of you can say, I would love 
a fresh touch from God. Amen? I want us to come into the altar. Can we do it right now? We're going to sing a very precious song. And we're going to come into the altar and we're just going to believe God to speak to our hearts today and to fill us afresh and anew. Come on. If you need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit or you need the who, Jesus Christ, I want you to come. And we're going to believe God to touch you today. We're going to sing an old song that is a beautiful song, inviting the Holy Spirit to come. We're going to get a fresh touch today. How many of you can say honestly, it's been a while since I had a fresh touch from God? Come on. We're going to do it right now. We're going to sing this song, and as we do, I want you to look up. Don't look at Jeff Wickwire. I have nothing I can give you. I can only lead you to the who. Amen? I can lead you to the who. I can do that every time. I can lead you to the who. We need more room here. Can y'all come this way? Move this way some and make more room. And we're just going to go to the who, and he's going to give us the what. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's sing, Ronnie. Thank you, Lord. We're going to put the lyrics up there. It's just simple. Come, Holy Spirit, we need you. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Let's sing it now. I believe 
That's it. All right. There we go. Let's sing it now. Come as a rest to the weary. Come on, make it a prayer now. That's us. Make it a prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I, I want to begin to sing that song as a prayer more often in our church. Because how many of you can say, I just need the Holy Spirit to strengthen me, to fill me, to empower me. Amen. Amen. Those of you that have come, let, let's just bow for prayer. Father, I just thank you that you said ask and you would give it. You said ask. We're, the, the whole thing is as far away as a prayer. And so, Lord, we ask you today. And with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you can say, Pastor, I'm down here because I need the who. I need Jesus in my life. I want you to raise your hand. Just put it up high where I can see you. I need Jesus. I need his salvation. Amen. Several. Amen. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus. I believe you died for me and rose from the dead. Now, very important, I repent of my sin and I ask you to forgive me of my sin and wash me of all unrighteousness. Come into my heart, Lord, as Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name. Now the rest of us say, Lord, you said ask, and you would give it. Lord, I have your spirit within me. The well has been dug, but I need a fresh touch. I need a fresh touch. So, Lord, I'm asking you to give me a fresh touch today. Let's lift our hands to him now. Lord, give me a fresh touch. Lord, let that water spring up out of the well that is already dug in me. Let the water spring up. Give me a fresh touch, a fresh strength, fresh fire. Lord, give it to me today. I come asking you in humility, but also in boldness that I have not asked in vain. But you will give grace and mercy in time of need. And I receive that touch in the mighty name of Jesus. Touch me, Lord. Touch me afresh and anew. In Jesus' mighty name, fill me, Lord. Fill me afresh and anew. In the mighty name of the Lamb of God, 
Thank you, Lord. Come on, everybody. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord.